I'm Nevada basketball's Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack Center. What is up, Wolfpack? Thanks for tuning in to Pack Center. I'm your host, the former ASBN, the Amateur Sports Broadcasting Network, play-by-play and color commentator, and UNR junior Jordan Burns, here with the senior in sports encyclopedia, the statastic Garrett Hirschberg. It's Nevada football's bye week, and we've got a jam-packed show for you. We'll be joined by special guest Wolfpack star quarterback Ty Ganji and one-two punch boxing star Dustin Congdon. Also, Garrett and I attended basketball's media day as the season quickly approaches. But for now, Garrett, another close game this week for Nevada football. A field goal in the final seconds of the game secured the Air Force victory. My initial thoughts on this game is that this is now back-to-back weeks of heartbreaking losses for Nevada, and it kills the fans. Like... I don't think Nevada fans can take this anymore of these heartbreaking losses because you think about this. We should have beat Colorado State. That game was mismanaged at the end, and then this field goal at the end of the game. As you mentioned before, Nevada lost 45-42. to Nevada tied the game late with with a 31-yard touchdown from Ganji to Dion Henley, and that catch by Henley was phenomenal. It was a one-handed diving catch, and that tied the game. And then with three or so minutes left um, – Air Force was just able to run the ball down and then eventually kick a field goal. But I think that Nevada has to be somewhat proud of their performance because their offense stepped up, but their defense, where were they? You said a lot there, Garrett, so I'm going to have to to go kind of step-by-step with this one. And I have to disagree with you on the fact that Nevada fans uh, can't take it anymore because we might have lost, but these are some exciting games. They're... They're completely different than the games we've had at the beginning of the season where it was hard to watch. And it, but because Nevada's been staying competitive and they've been making great plays. Uh, as you, like, like we said with Deion Henley, that was an amazing play. We've been having these great dynamic drives. And, even the other, and our defense has been allowing the other team to have good drives. And it's, and it's keeping the suspense up. You know, these are fun games to watch, but we're not winning them. And you did mention a little bit about the defense, and I think I want to I want to focus on that because that is where I think we're struggling the most. Offense, they're doing fantastic, and I'm gonna, we're going to get to that later. Uh, they've been on fire, but defense has definitely been struggling. You can't be having a, a game where both teams are going for, over forty points a game. Yeah, you're right. Nevada, Nevada's yeah defense is awful. This time, like we've seen in the past against Colorado State, their run defense was awful. This time. Colorado State against uh, against Air Force. I mean, their rush defense was awful. Granted, Air Force is a triple option team, and they only threw the ball seven times. Yes, seven times. They ran the ball 90, 91 times for five hundred and fifty yards and six rushing touchdowns. That is no bueno. But it, it's watching a game like this. It, it's hard. I mean, okay, the triple option is an incredibly hard offense to defend if, unless you're unless you're a good run defense you got to be stacking the box and playing up front and Nevada doesn't necessarily do that very well uh and you can see that with 550 yards given up you know it, it we were just watch we were watching this game and there's no way you can stop it really you know you you're there, a lot of the time they were having one person go up and obviously they're going to pass the ball off to the next person because that's how their scheme runs you're right, and Air Force did a phenomenal job spreading the load of carries. Timothy McVeigh was their leading rusher with 139 yards. He had 18 carries. Ronald Cleveland had eight carries. Tavon Burdo, 20. Arion Worthman, the quarterback, had 20. 
Jacob Stafford had 13. So that's that's a good way to spread the ball around so that Nevada can't single up on one guy. And what they did is they would run like an like the triple option and they ran the wishbone, which makes it even harder to do because there there's a lot of moving pieces involved. From motioning wide receivers to the two tailbacks. Yeah, their formation looks like almost like victory formation, just a little bit more spread out. You know, every time they came into the line, I was like, are they going to take a knee? But they would run up. They had so many people sitting in the backfield that they could. They had so many options to pass the ball off to. You didn't know who it was going to. And that's extremely difficult for a defense to defend, especially one, as we said before, that struggles against the run. Some big notes for the defense, though, is they had some incredible hits. Uh, EJ Muhammad with that big hit. Oh, or flip the guy. End I thought over that. End. I thought that dude tore his ACL. I thought he died. <laughs> uh, just watching this game, and then, and it goes back to it was exciting to watch. The one thing they forced so, a bunch of fumbles, but only recovered a handful. Yeah, they they forced four, they forced four fumbles, but only recovered one of them. That's not good. Even though these, you have to, in 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 order to stop a running defense, you need to get turnovers, and. Air Force struggled to hold on to the ball. They've we've proved they've proven that all season, and to only lose one fumble against Nevada, that's got to be a victory for them. Nevada, yeah. Nevada on the day forced two turnovers. That one, they only got two turnovers. That one fumble and then a pick by uh, Aki Muhammad. Exactly, and I think that that's a, a big point for us is that our defense was actually on point. We just couldn't make the turnovers. They were getting extra yards off the fumble because they were recovering it in front of where he was tackled. Yeah, you're right. And that's something that you got to do. Like each person on this team had big run, like long rushes, like uh, McVay, 38, along a 38, Cleveland along a 40. The longest rush of the game came from Arian Worthman, the quarterback of 50 yards. Fifth D. They were making huge plays on the ground, and they were running the clock, and that came into effect in the fourth quarter when they decided to slow the game down. You're you're right, because Nevada, they went toe-to-toe in the first half, Nevada and Air Force, but then once it came to the second half, second half, that's when the slowness happened, the methodical, and they were able just to outlast Nevada's defense. And another, another big point that you can see with, like, that this this running, uh, but one thing they, they had, they're making some big plays on running is that the, the leading tackler was a secondary player, Asani Rufus, with 24 tackles. Yeah, and to be fair, 24 tackles is impressive, but he shouldn't have that many tackles. That should be given to a linebacker, especially on a on a running team. He should be tackling them between like five yards on average. The fact that 24 tackles had to be made in the secondary is mind blowing. You're right, and that's just and that's a sad thing because you don't want these rushes to get through the through the first the second level of defense. And you look at who who was second in tackles, it was Austin Paulus. And Austin Paulus had twenty one tackles. Now that's something you can see with the run heavy defense. Because Austin Paulus is one of those players who flies around the field. Mm-hmm. But the, a lot of the game was was made up of us chasing down the ball. Mm-hmm. Because they would run out, the, they would run the outside. They would do these these option plays, and they would option past the first the uh, the front seven and take it to the secondary, where Sonny Rufus had to make the tackle. Yeah, and so that also wears that also wears down on the secondary because they got to pick up the slack from the from the front seven. 
And that, and that and again, as you said, it breaks. It kind of breaks down the entire defense because then the front seven has to chase down the ball to keep up with the play. I'm sure there was a there was a lot of huffing and puffing on our defensive side. I think uh, the oxygen tank might have been needed. Yeah, the the run uh, a run heavy offense will will tear down a defense step by step. You know, an air raid offense that'll move the the, the ball really quick. But if you're methodically moving the moving down the field, that defense is going to get tired, and it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, you're right, and that's something that that you see with like n- uh, these run-heavy teams, Navy, like the Armed Forces, Navy, Army, Air Force. You see this a lot with Georgia Tech. They're, they're able to control the ball. Like looking at the Looking at time of possession and everything, Nevada only had the ball for 18 minutes. Air Force had it for 41 minutes. They were able to pick up 36 first downs compared to Nevada's 21. They outgained Nevada 591 to 424. So it just shows that one team one team did not play defense. It was Nevada. I know, and, and it just blows my mind because we were playing such good offense, but we couldn't stop the ball. We If, if our defense could step it up, if we could have uh, gotten the turnovers that we deserved— this game would have been completely different. If Nevada would have got at least one more turnover, the game Nevada would have scored and would have put this game out of reach. Exactly, and that's why I want to go and talk about the offense really quick uh, and talk about how they came out on fire. I mean, that first drive. We scored on our first drive, which is something we've never seen, we haven't seen before. Yeah, Ganji to McClain, that touchdown, beautiful. Yeah, you're right, and Nevada has had a problem all time, all all season Scoring early. They scored early, and it was able to set the momentum for this game. This passing offense looks phenomenal. The running game looked great. Ganji went 17-33, 239, and two touchdowns. And on the ground, he had four rushes for 41 yards and a touchdown. Another important fact to note about Ganji, he didn't throw an interception. Which is incredible because last week we were talking about, you know, it's okay for Ganji to throw an interception. He does it every game. But this one he didn't. He he played really smart he, offense. He looked really composed in the pocket, and he mm-hmm. was knew when to scramble and when to just throw it. Which is something we haven't seen because, like, he'll be putting up these big numbers, but the clutch aspect goes away in the fourth quarter. But he kept that going throughout the entire game, and I thought that was uh, really good to see of him because he's becoming this more dynamic quarterback, this more uh, the smarter quarterback. You're right, and that's something that we love to see, and that's something we didn't really see when KC was in. He was all nervous and everything, and but that's one thing that that Ganji's really done well as the season's gone. He he's progressed. He's matured. Yes, definitely. That's a good. I, I like what you said. He's matured, and I think that's what what KC missed when he was playing is that he didn't have that mature aspect. He was very nervous in the pocket. He had never been in a situation like that. Um, Someone who also impressed me, who has been impressing me, is Kelton Moore. Uh, 14 rushes, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Not his best performance, but But a he solid did what he needed. He, I thought I was a little bit shocked Nevada didn't go to him more. Exactly, but 14 more rushes. More on more. Ha-ha, <laughs> pun. Yeah. <laughs> 14 rushes for, for uh, an air raid style offense is impressive. We've been spreading the ball around, and I really like to see that. I was worried about that yeah, coming into the aver- season. He averaged seven yards a carry. Which, which is exactly what we want him to do on an air raid offense. When you throw, when you run the ball, you want that to be a surprise. 
You know, and the fact that they only rushed 14 yards, I mean, 14 times for 101 yards is really good because he's he's doing his job. He's getting those first downs on the ground and he's making those big plays. You're right, and that's something we've 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 seen a lot of Ganji this season. These breakaway runs that he just can't finish. He gets like I think he just loses momentum, loses his speed, and that's something you definitely see out of a power back like like Kelton. Now, if this was like a Jackson Kincaid, uh, I think he would have had the speed to break away. But these these big runs through the middle of the offensive line have done well, and this offensive line was played really well this week. I don't think Kelton, I don't think uh, um, Ganji was sacked at all either. Yeah, I think the offensive line stepped up incredibly. Ganji had a bunch of time in the pocket. And I think that's what what added to his success. Uh, I'm surprised that he didn't have as many yards as we expected. I mean, 400 yards the week before, 400 plus yards the week before, and then 239 this week, uh, and still putting up 42 points is uh, incredible. I, th- I think that a lot of it came down to 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 moving the ball around. We had a couple more trickery plays. Uh, we had a yeah a couple wide receiver passes. Or running one running back pass, one wide receiver pass. That wide receiver pass would have gone for six, but Andrew Sellers just overthrew Ty Ganji. I really like these trickery plays, though. These are, this is fun, especially it, the Wildcat ones with Kelton Moore. Those are always really successful now. Yeah, because as we alluded to in the past on the show, Kelton was a high school quarterback. He could he can make this make the throws, and we saw some trickery early on with. Uh, was a touchdown pass, a touchdown pass from Andrew Sellis. Yeah, Sellis kind of surprised me with those with those passes as well. Um, I think that spreading the ball around and, and trying different things is a great strategy by Matt Mummy, especially uh, in these in in a game like this where we're struggling on defense. You've got to get creative on offense to make to to get the scores, and I think that we're we're doing that. I think we're executing it on an on an expert level. You're right, and Nevada. Well, Nevada's receivers had a big game. Uh, oh, Brandon O'Leary Orange, three receptions for 90 yards. Dion Henley, two receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown. McLean, five for 42, and a touchdown. Wyatt Dems, three for 40, touchdown. Andrew Sellis, four for 37, and a no touchdown. So it's nice to see Nevada spread the spread the ball around when it comes to their receivers. Look how many touchdowns. I like that. They're spreading the ball around to all the receivers, and on the ground they're spreading around as well. They got two two touchdowns on the ground as well. One of them was Ty Ganji, correct? Yes, and the other one was Kelton, Kelton Moore. Kelton Moore was um, that touchdown. Kelton Moore touchdown was set up by the Aki Muhammad interception. Mm-hmm. And so we're we have so many weapons. It's not like we're just throwing it up to one guy and hoping for the best. Everyone on this team has a role. And that's really important to see that we're passing the ball around. And it's incredibly hard for a defense to, to plan against us. You know, we do have our, our two stars on, on offense with our wide receivers, and that's Wyatt Dents and McLean Mannix. Both of them have over six touchdowns. Um, Wyatt Dents with eight and Mannix with, with six. That's something that, that's really been helping us, is that we don't have just one target that you can, that you can guard. You've got an arsenal of of wide receivers that can be targeted at any time in the game. Plus, you also got the running backs. Um, well, when Kincaid's healthy, he's a, he's another pass catcher. You got Kelton Moore who can catch passes. Plus, you got um, you also got Isaiah Hamilton, Russell Booz. You got a whole variety of uh, platoon players. 
the depth that we have is incredible as well. The wide receiver depth. Not all the starters are the one. We have so many people that these guys aren't even all starters, mm-hmm. and they're making touchdowns and getting incredible yards. We can spread the ball around, and there's no. And again, it's something it's hard to scheme against. You're right, and Deion Henley has stepped up immersed big this year, and he I think he's only a freshman. Mm-hmm. So I think this with Henley and Mannix, this team has got a bright future. Elyria Orange is only a sophomore. This team seems looking good for the future. I'm excited for the future, and I'm excited for uh, for next week. But uh, it's bye week, so there's no game this weekend, and we can— Hopefully we win. Hopefully we win the bye week. I think Paxson is going to win the bye week this week because we've got a special guest, Ty Ganji. Stay tuned for this. We are joined by our special guest, Mr. 400, the ball-slinging general starting quarterback, Ty Ganji. So it's bye week. How's it feel? Yeah, it feels great. Um, you know, get some rest this week, um, get in the training room and heal up, um, you know, and get a lot of the young guys reps this week in practice. Um, so it's, it's pretty fun watching the young guys scrimmage. It's nice to not have to wake up super early in the morning and get a little bit of rest. Yeah, we're still waking up every morning at, uh, you know, 6, going to – going to meetings and going to practice. So, um, you know, just excited to get some rest this weekend, though, and, and just watch some football on the couch. <laughs> and you get to do what we get, get what we get to do and just sit down and watch the game instead of having to play yeah, on the weekends. Yeah. So the past few weeks for you have been amazing. You've been on fire despite the two losses, but 706 yards, nine touchdowns in the last two weeks, that's incredible, man. You. Uh, you look like a totally different quarterback out there from the beginning of the season. Uh, what's changed from the beginning of the season until now? I think just getting a lot of reps with the, with the new offense and, and getting on the same page with all of my guys. Um, you know, definitely feel a lot more comfortable back there and, and a lot more confident in the games. Um, you know, just having the confidence that we can go out there and execute, um, you know, and, and be in a position to win the game and put up a lot of points. If you started to get more into the offense and you and Matt Mummy been working together a lot to get more comfortable because you seem really comfortable back there now. Yeah, I feel like I know this offense like the back of my hand now. Um, you know, been watching film with Coach Mummy, um, you know, every day. Um, you know, just just trying to pick his mind and and know what he's thinking and, you know, make it so that I can make calls and different checks out on the field so that, you know, we can put our offense in the best situations. Did you have a chance to talk to Coach Norvell before he was hired? Uh no. No, I uh I met him when he first came in on the first t- team meeting, so um you know, he came in and told us we wanted to be able to throw the ball a lot and you know, I was all excited when I heard that. So, um, you know, love him and the staff that he brought in and um, you know, just excited about the rest of the season. Was it a culture shock when everyone was fired from the Polian era and then this whole new staff was was brought in? Yeah, it's completely different. Um, you know, Every coach has different philosophies, you know. Coach Norvell em- emphasizes uh, competition a lot, and, um, you know, I think that's been really good for us as a team. Um, you know, and I think that's going to continue to have us continue to get better. One of Coach Norvell's famous slogans is Nevada grit. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's uh, it's perseverance, um, you know, just, just getting down and dirty when it comes to it, um, you know, being the mentally tougher team, um, you know, being accountable for everything we do and, you know, just going out every week and playing hard. I like how you brought up earlier about the uh, how Coach Novell breathes competition into you guys. Um, he did bring on uh, 
quarterback David Cornwell, and that was a huge competition thing for you guys. Uh, what was that competition like in the spring? Because I'm sure you came in after uh, last season. You had a breakout season after Tyler Stewart went down that you thought this team was going to be yours this season. And they bring in this Alabama quarterback and tell everyone, oh, he's the starting guy. Uh, what did that do to you, and how did that motivate you? Yeah, I mean, it just made me go out every day, um, you know, and have to prove myself, you know, every practice, um, every workout, whatever it was, I had to go out and, and win the day and, and do as best as I could. You know, there's there's competition everywhere. Um, you know, no matter if you're the starter one week, um, you know, you, there's always competition, and you got to show that you're the guy to be out there. So, you know, it, it pushed me every day to get better and, you know, to play the best of my abilities. Was there ever a chance, was there ever a time where you felt kind of defeated because of all the quarterback back and forth stuff? Or were you always confident that you'd become back at the starter and that you would uh, take charge again? Yeah, I mean, I was always confident in myself. Um, you know, I, I know what I can do, and, and I've always been confident in that. And, you know, you know, tried to stay positive throughout this whole process, um, you know, because just negativity doesn't help anything. So just staying positive and, and coming to work every day. Yeah, because you're no stranger to having to fight for the starting job. When you were in high school, you didn't get to start till your senior year, right? Yep. And yep. so you come in here, and then you got David Cornwell come in, and then you got to fight for that job yet again. Um, were you surprised when you got the starting job for the first game? No, and I thought you know my my work and preparation you know earned me that spot. Um, so you know I, I was wasn't surprised. I was you know excited to get the opportunity to do it, and. Um, you know, it's the tough thing about quarterback is only one guy plays. So, um, you know, used to going back and forth, but, um, you know, just staying mentally prepared and, and just making uh, making use of when you get your opportunity. And you definitely have been making use of your opportunity now. I mean, as we said before, 706 yards in the last two games is mind-blowing and incredible, uh, especially for a Nevada quarterback because we've been so run-heavy in the past. Um I want to talk a little bit about Kelton Moore because he had a breakout game, and your big smile comes on your face when I mention his name. He must be your best friend right now. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, Kelton's a beast. You know, we we got a couple classes together, so you know we're together every day. But um, you know, he's been great for us. You know, just running downhill, and you know, not only in the run game, but in the pass game, and you know, him throwing the ball too on certain trick plays and stuff like that. Um, you know, he's been great for me in pass protection too. You know, I know he's always got my back. He'll stub up and make blocks all the time. So he's just you know an all-around great player for us. I'm loving these trick plays, man. These they're <laughs> they're so exciting because all of a sudden you see Kelton Moore in the backfield, like, wait, where's Ganji at? And then yeah. he throws the ball and it's a touchdown. It, because in, in he was a high school quarterback, and that's why you guys can put him back there, right? Yep. Yeah. Who, whose idea was this? Was this uh, Coach Norvell's or mum, or Mummy's idea for the trick plays? Yeah, just to make sure uh, you know everyone's kind of got their own ideas for different trick plays. So. Um, you know, as a staff, you know, they wanted us to, to have something up our sleeve every week so that, you know, the defense isn't really sure what's coming. And I love that because you guys have been keeping the game really exciting. At the beginning of the season, it, it was kind of hard to watch sometimes. And now it's even despite the, the close losses, it's, ex it's, it's an exciting game. You can watch it all four quarters. And these games go for three to four hours yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. how, is it, how is it, speaking of that, how is it uh, being on in a game for that long? Because a lot of football games don't go that long. And, for some reason, Nevada games seem to go extremely long. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to be mentally tough for that, um, you know, and you got to play all four quarters. Um, you know, it's I think it's tougher with TV timeouts that always drags on the game a little longer. But um, I just say mentally tough um, is the key to that, and just you know playing all four quarters because 
Um, you know, you need to play all four quarters to win. You can't just play half or, you know, three quarters of the game. So we keep mentioning that these these games have been kind of close losses, and that must be really deflating for, for you guys because you've been putting up points. You've been Your offense has been going uh, 110%. Uh, what, are we, what are we hearing in practice right now about how do we – we keep the fourth quarter momentum going and getting those victories in the final minutes. Yeah. I mean, we just got to continue to execute and just finish games. Um, you know, offensively, there's still a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of points that we're leaving off the, off the, off the scoreboard, you know, um, a lot of ifs and buts that could have happened in the game and just stuff we got to fix um, so that we can continue to put up more points. Um, you know, defensively, I, I trust those guys. Um, you know, I don't know those guys are working hard every day to get better and, um, you know the wins will come if we keep doing what we're doing. It always comes down to just like one little play that mm-hmm. that that ruins it, and and that that's really frustrating for for you guys especially and us as fans. And we're we're rooting for you guys to be able to keep the fans going. And I think that as we said before, the excitement is what's keeping people still around because it, it's it's nail biter all the way to the end. You guys got four games remaining. Two of them very tough opponents in Boise and uh, San Diego State. Are you guys going to take the same approaches that you have? the last couple games into them or are you going to like try to change up the offense depending on their defenses um i think we'll take the same approach um you know we'll have a couple special things uh, planned for them um you know we'll have a little extra time this week to game plan for boise and and watch some more film on them but um you know probably try to keep it pretty consistent um and you know there'll be some different tweaks and adjustments for those games but um, you know, it's always exciting going into to big games like this against good opo- opponents. You nervous of playing on the blue field in, <laughs> in Boise? I'm not. You know, I had a – we played at St. Francis in high school. We played Chaminade. They had a, a blue turf field. So I played on it before. Uh, it's a little different, but, um, you know, I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> what makes it so different? I don't, I've never understood why the blue field is so is so game-changing. It's just it's just a little different, especially when they're wearing blue uniforms. And at night, it, it, yeah, it can little, look intimidating. It's just different visibility, I guess. But, I mean, it's not really a big deal. Thank God on TV, they, uh, you got the yellow line for the yeah. first thing down. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Coach Norvell. Um, as, as his first season is wrapping up, what kind of impact has he had on you and what kind of impact do you think he's going to have on the team in the future? Yeah, I mean, he, Coach Norvell is, you know, a great coach. He's been in a lot of different places. You know, he's been in the NFL. Um, for me personally, he's coached, you know, a lot of great quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I've been able to learn a ton from him. Um, our whole offense has. And, you know, he's a very motivating coach. So, um, you know, I think he has a big impact on on motivating us to play. And, um, you know, we all love him as a coach and, and all want to play hard for him. But as we said, so – Impact for the future. Do you think it's going to be a rising? We got a bunch of rising star freshmen, uh, McLean Mannix, uh, Dayon Henley. They've been uh, big targets for you this season, uh, and I see them uh, progressing a lot in the future. Do you think Norvell had a big impact on those guys? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he's he's brought a lot of teaching to them at, at wide receiver, and um, you know, I think you can already see how they once since we started the season how they've grown so far. So, um, you know, we got a young team, a lot of young guys playing, and um, you know, they're all coming back next year, you know, we'll lose, you know, Wyatt, you know, some of the O-linemen on offense. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I have a lot of guys coming back and a lot of stuff to build off of. And you've got one more year of eligibility, so you're going to come back next year yep. and play for us as well. Yep. Um, what do you see for after college? Uh, do you 
plan on trying to, to go into the draft? Do you plan on trying to walk onto an NFL team, CFL? Uh, do you have a career ahead of you? Yeah, I mean, always have dreams dreams of playing in the NFL. Um, you know, it's it's obviously a, a, a tough deal, but you know, always had dreams of playing, and and you know, that's that's what I want to do. So, you know, just got to focus on you know the rest of the season and 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 playing next year and, and doing well. And uh, you know, I think whatever happens, you know, will happen. What were your expectations coming into college? Did you expect to be playing at the level that you are right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, always dreamed of playing D- Division One football. Um, you know, my grandpa was an All-American at UCLA, and my uncle played at Cal. So, you know, always dreamed of, of playing Division One football, and you know, always knew I could do it. So, um, you know, just having a blast, you know, playing here in Nevada, it's a dream come true. Was your family always a uh, a big supporter of you? Did, did they really help you become the football player you are today? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I think especially at quarterback, you know, you need a good supporting cast behind you, and, and my family's you know been that for me. You know, through good times and through bad times, you know, they've always been there um, supporting me. So, um, you know, love them and, and, and wouldn't be here without them. What's your earliest memory with football? Earliest memory? Um, tackle football, probably when I was 10. Um, you know, we, we had a great team and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just, just loved being in full pads. It was always a dream for me. I enjoyed that a lot. At that young age, did it feel right? Did that holding a football was that was that your calling? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I played basketball and baseball too, but there was just something at football that was different. Um, you know, it was always the most fun for me. So, yeah. Never an idea of coming into college and being that that uh, dual sport athlete with baseball and like some of the greats out there. No, no, couldn't do it. It's too much time taken up for football. Um, yeah, it, it's an all-season thing for me. So, um, yeah, no time for other sports. All right, Ty Ganji, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate it. And we can, you can go off to class and do your thing. Uh, we really appreciate it. We'll be watching you. Good luck. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's talk basketball media day. Media day is fun because we can talk one-on-one with players and coaches. It's almost like speed dating because you go from one player to the other and try to get as many interviews as possible. Garrett, what do you think of media day? I think media day was super fun, and it was. you're right. It is like speed dating. Like These players are waiting to be interviewed. That's like the whole reason they're there. I don't know. It was just an overall fun experience to be there with all other members of media. Uh, we got to interview some great guests, Coach Moss, uh, the Martins. Uh, we talked to Jordan, Car- our, our friend Jordan Caroline. Lindsey Drew, Josh Hall, and just to name a few. But it was overall a fun experience. Yeah, it's cool. I like how you mentioned that the, all these other media guys out there. You know, we, it's great networking. You got Chris Murray out there from the RGJ. You got Brandon Cruz and Darian from uh, the Sagebrush. You got a couple other guys here and there. Uh, they're taking, you got the news, the TV news channels. The TV doing news video. channels, they're out there. They got people taking pictures. You got everyone out there just trying to like get time with these players because once the season starts – they're on lockdown. You're not allowed to talk to them until something like bye week, like we had this week with uh, with football. You can get someone in like like uh, Ty Ganji. Well, we had Jordan Carolina in last year um, towards the end of the season. Uh, but, yeah, it was great. Uh, the first person we talked to was Josh Hall, and I think the coolest thing when we asked Josh Hall was about where they where they see this season going because, you know, they lost Kem Oliver, they lost DJ Fenner, they lost Marcus Marshall, uh, and they're bringing in all these new guys who still got to, like, shake the rust off, but – 
they know that they're good. And this is Muscle's third year, and so this is like one of the this is going to be one of the best years we've had so far. So everyone's expecting to go even farther into the NCAA tournament. And uh, Josh Hall said, "Sweet 16." Let's listen to his interview. So you know, we want to make a deep run in the um, NCAA tournament. I think we could at least make it to the Sweet 16. That's our that's our goal. Um, and you know, as far I think we can even make it farther than that. My personal opinion. Um, but yeah, so those. Just going, making a deep run in the NCAA tournament, that's the big thing. I'm really excited for Josh Hall to be playing this year. You know, he came out as a freshman last year, but he did shine, and I think that he's going to have a stronger role this year. He's still one of the young guys, but he's experienced now, and he's been in his first year at Nevada. He went so far into uh, the NCAA that – uh, the experience that he gained just from that in general is going to put him years ahead of a lot of other sophomores in the league. You're right, and Josh Hall was like a 3 and D guy last year. He could shoot the three, and then he could play defense. And it's it's nice to hear that he's worked on so many aspects of his game and to become even a better player because he took this campus by storm last year with his ability to lock – with his lockdown defending. So I think I think he's going to be a player to watch this year. Yeah, speaking of players to watch, we talked with our friend Jordan Caroline. Uh, we didn't have a lot to talk about with him because he came onto the show a couple weeks ago. After Jordan Caroline, we went off and talked to Lindsey Drew. Lindsey, Lindsey talked about uh, the loss of Cam and the addition of some new guys. Let's take a listen to that. Uh, probably the only difference, you know, we had Cam, you know, as far as uh, rim protection, shot blocking in the paint last year. But, you know, we, we lose a lot of guys, but, this, you know, we gained a lot of guys too. A lot of new transfers coming in, the Twins, Kendall, uh, Hallis, uh, those guys, you know. So, you know, I think I think we should be all right. You know, I'm getting older, you know, I'm getting getting used to the game, you know, getting used to college, you know. It's about my third year, so, you know, as far as stepping up as a leader, you know, having to take control of the team at times, uh, you know, that's some, something I expect for this year. So, yeah, um, Lindsey talked about all the new guys, the transfers that are being – that are now eligible to play that we missed last year. The twins, uh, Hallis, um, Kendall, and so I think that the with these group of guy with this group of players mixed with the group that we already have, I think this team is going to work well. They've already got the chemistry from last year playing in practice, so I think that they're going to do they're going to have instant chemistry once the opening season begins. Yeah, now we we followed up uh, what Lindsey said with Coach Muss and trying to figure out uh, where these guys fit in in his scheme and. Uh, how his how this team is forming after his three years here, and take a listen to that. You know, it's everything you want to get better every year, and and I think that, you know, this team has the potential to to uh, to be really really good, and we think next year's team would be our very best team. Um, you know, so we've you know and that'll be the, the fourth year here, and and um, that's how you want it to be. Is is, is next year will be all of our, um, you know, our team, and and so to speak, and so. We feel this year's, you know, hopefully we can take a jump up and then the following year as well. I mean, I think our expectations are, you know, to try to try to win the Mountain West regular season. That's the only thing that I'm worried about right now. And that's going to be really, really, really hard. Um, and then you go and then you go to your conference tournament. And I think that's the only thing really that we need to be worried about. So yeah, I mean, Coach Muss is confident. Um, but the one thing about Coach Muss's interview is that uh, he has a really different idea than the rest of the team right now of of where he see, where his expectations are uh, right now he's only thinking that they're he's only planning on winning the division um, or winning the Mountain West and that's all fine and dandy but 
I want to see him have some big dreams, but I guess one step at a time, and I'm sure once that uh, title is done, he'll be looking for the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah, and you're right. This is the right mentality to have as a coach because you got to look at one step at a time. You can't look three steps behind, three steps ahead and get sidetracked. So I think that you got to have your mind right on mindset on winning the Mountain West and then winning the tournament. You win the tournament, you get an automatic bid into the into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I think that's where this team is heading, uh, especially with all this new recruiting. I think Coach Muss is a genius uh, with his recruiting and uh, his coaching and his play calling and everything. Look how much look how he's turned this team around in just the last three years, and I think. And then this year and then next year, like Coach Moss said, are going to be incredible. Yeah, you're right. This was an anticipatory year for Nevada because last year's team was good. This year's team is better. But I think next year's team could be the best. But, yeah, I'm so excited about basketball season this year. Uh, it's going to be electrifying. It's going to be great. We're going to go uh, – we're going to win the Mountain West easy, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coach Moss wasn't 100% guaranteed – but I mean, you, I, I, I sensed a little bit of confidence. There's some, t- there's some tough places to play in the Mountain West when you think about playing on the road. Mm-hmm. Colorado State stuff, uh, Boise is tough. San Diego State is really tough. Yeah, and that's a lot of there's a lot of names you've just named off right here that uh, just shows how how tough the Mountain West actually is. And I don't think that it's really underrated division in the NCAA in general. But when you're in the Mountain West, you realize that there's some tough competition and the travel time. And I've talked to a lot of different people about this. Chris Murray's even told me this, that traveling as a media can be hard. And I can only imagine what it's like as an athlete. Having you got to think, think about this. If you travel to Colorado State, you got to fly to Denver and then make that two-hour drive to uh, Fort Collins. We're lucky enough that teams can fly into Reno. Yeah, no, our airport is extremely close. It's the closest airport to a casino in the world. And we're the close, probably one of the closest universities to uh, a casino. What's the, mm, UNLV. You know, I'm, I'm, I think that we are actually, I think that was part of the uh, um, the marketing. For... Oh, we're close to the casinos. Come spend money, parents. I think that's... Gamble, gamble your tuition wrong. Sold gamble my parents, tu- I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> gamble, your, gamble your kids' tuition away. All right, well, we're getting done with this basketball segment. We're going to have to move on. I'm thinking a great season ahead of us. And Garrett, I think you're with me on this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great season. It's going to be a very fun season to watch. And I encourage the audience, go to a Nevada basketball game. They're a ton of fun. They're electrifying the players. You got Jordan Caroline. You got the Martin Twins. It's, it's just going to be a great season to watch. All right, boxing time. We got Jake here and Dustin Congdon. Uh, great to have you both on here. Jake, you went out to the boxing match uh, on Thursday and watched the fight, and you were a reporter out there. And Dustin, you had a knockout yeah. uh, in the second <laughs> round, a TKO. Uh-huh. Um, tell me a little bit about this fight. Tell me a little bit about boxing. Um, yeah, well, I've been boxing. This is my second year starting in uh, the Air Force. That's always, that's always our match. It kind of kicks off the year, you know. And uh, this guy, I don't believe I've seen him before. Um, I didn't recognize him or anything like that, but uh, he ended up being a southpaw, <laughs> just like me, and 
nobody likes southpaws, man, when we're boxing. And so, uh, yeah, it was a little, it was a little different boxing him just cause I, I, we're, we're like lefties, man. We, we're not common, you know? So, um, it's a little bit different, but, uh, no, it was, it was a good time. Came came back with the W, you know, so I can't complain about anything. So what's the what's the issue with Southpaws? It's just uh, there's not a lot of us, and so, and I'm a Southpaw, and I don't even like fighting Southpaws, right? <laughs> because because I get used to fighting Orthodox fighters, and that's the majority of boxers, and so that's what you train to do. And then when you throw a Southpaw up in the mix, then you know, everything is kind of, your combos are switched, you're, you know, you're blocking different hands, you're dodging different punches, and so to have that kind of thrown on me, and we, we didn't know that prior to the the match, as soon as I got into the ring is when I found out, so, you know, my game plan that I had all in my head kind of, kind of went out the window, and I just had to, you know, go on the fly, but luckily I had, you know, coach Pat with me, and he kind of coached me through the match, but, uh, yeah, that's that's the issue. <laughs> okay, Jake, I'm gonna ask you, what did you think of Dustin's fight? And uh, be careful because he's got a mean left, so <laughs> be nice. Uh, you talked about you were like kind of struggling trying to get your great game plan together. Mm-hmm. Like all of us in the ring in uh, Circus Circus, we didn't notice that. Yeah, you were tagging this guy left and right, and I just really want to ask you. Um, so <clears throat> the TKO came after the guy went to the corner at the end of the <clears throat> second round. Right. Um, did you have any feeling that it was going to end up being a TKO, right? Um, like, did you feel him getting uh, loose and um, getting weak? Yeah, I noticed his hands went down, and and I mean the last little flurry before that bell rang, uh, I I did feel really good about. It. I mean, I can tell when, you know, you you know when you throw a good punch is because you don't feel it. You don't feel it hit anything. So, uh, I yeah, I was feeling pretty good. You know, but had I, I, I was still preparing for a third round, right? Like, I, I wasn't expecting the ref to come over here and say the match was done. I mean, I was stoked about that. I didn't have to go a third round, you know? But, uh, no, I, I was expecting to go a third, a third round with them and just, you know. Now, when you normally fight, do you know, do you know who you are fighting? Yeah, we, we know, like, who they are and sometimes you know you get the same cycle of guys sometimes um especially like when it comes to regionals and nationals there's a really good chance you've fought them before or seen them but yeah this was kind of unusual just because i think it's the beginning of the year again you know and so you got new fighters and this guy was actually he was in a different weight class but he was still he was still a finalist last year like i was at nationals so um, it was a good fight. I just, yeah, I don't think I fought him before. Did you have any uh, practicing going up to this? Did you under, did you know going into it that you were going to be fighting a southpaw, that you had to, to switch up your combos? Did you have to practice that? Or was it you came into this match and you're like, oh, man, I got to switch myself up real quick? Well, well, luckily, I mean, I've uh, it was kind of like deja vu, actually, but... Um, because I've, I've had to do that before. I've fought one or two southpaws before in which... Oh man, it's a southpaw. Okay, you know, the, instead of these moves, you're gonna do these combos, and you know, you gotta watch out for this instead of that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't know he was a southpaw until he stepped into the ring, and Patty was like, "Oh, he's a southpaw." Okay, and luckily, you know, I had my coach, and he definitely helped me stay focused with what I had to do. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I've fought South and we didn't even have a lot of Southpaws in the gym. You know, last year we had a couple of Southpaws that I can get good practice with, you know, and so it'd be, I'd be a little more prepared, but this year it was just all orthodox. So what kind of things were coach Pat, uh, whispering in your ear in between rounds, uh, what was he saying? You're saying he was keeping you focused and uh, on point. Yeah. What was he saying to you? Yeah, uh, I mean, just general stuff. You know, heads up. You know, or head down, hands up. If he notices something, he'll he'll spit it out, and that's exactly the time to do something, a certain combo or whatever, because he he's a very experienced boxer and he very experienced coach. You know, he knows he knows what he's talking about. Um, He's telling me to do my money shots and stuff like that. We have certain, like, you know, code words <laughs> that uh, we yell out, and that means, you know, certain combos and whatever. And I was just keeping an ear open for him. And then, you know, when you get back to my corner, you tell me, you know, work on the body or whatever. That was kind of mostly my – mostly the game plan was just to wear him out with the body because he had a little bit more reach than I did, you know, a little bit taller. <clears throat> but he didn't hit as hard. And uh, it's a little bit slower, too, so we just capitalized on that, you know. So um, you faced off against the Air Force Academy, which mm -hmm. is one of the big um, military academies. Yeah. And these guys are always conditioned. That's what they do all year. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you feel like there was a mentality behind the Air Force boxers that you don't see in a lot of other schools? Um, I mean, they're always, like you said, they're always conditioned, right, and yeah they do they do have that military like mentality right and they they don't stop but i feel like i feel like honestly our, our school our little ragtag team of just boxers man we we have a really tough mentality too and i just i think some people underestimate that you know they just see oh a nevada gym but really i mean we're a bunch of scrapping dudes that like to fight and you know, we're—I wouldn't say we're any less tough than any of the military academies. You know, um, yeah. So you guys are this the scrappy young team. What is it like going against a really disciplined boxing team like Air Force, where they're <clears throat> conditioned, they're brutal, and they're they're regimented? You know, their yeah. their their training style is probably extremely different from yours. How do you mm -hmm. guys compare to that? You know, I I think we stack up really well. You know, they. They're, like, very strict military, like you said. And then, I mean, we just – we're lucky just to be a small band of brothers, you know. And we, I f we, we work out just as hard as they do, you know. We spar twice as much as they do. And I think when it comes down to it, we just, we just want to win more, you know. We're just more competitive. We got that extra little hunger that the military – military academies maybe not have or don't focus on or whatever i just <clears throat> and i think i think people do might might see us as underdogs or whatnot but regardless i think as at least for me i i i don't let that get in the way oh a military academy oh navy i've i've beat them all so <laughs> i don't let it bother me anymore you know here's a personal question how long have you been boxing for in your life uh i started last year really yeah what made you want to get into it? Well, I wrestled. So I wrestled um, back in high school and even before then when I was a little kid. And then I also did jujitsu, right? So I did a little bit of, little bit of everything. I, I really enjoyed just combat and whatever. And then high school ended, you know, my buddies went off, wrestled in college. And I was, you know, I was pretty committed to UNR, but 
It's like, well, what am I going to do, you know? And so <clears throat> I heard about boxing through one of the kids' dad's coaches that I coached. It, it was hard. I mean, this, this, this club is really underground. Not a lot of people know about it. And so I finally got a hold of it and then met the coaches and then went back next week for practice, man. And I, I like, I love it. Like, so. Did you fall in love with it instantly? <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. And then just the guys, the guys there are a really good group of guys that push you, dedicate you. And they're just, I mean, you learn. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I, I love it a lot. Um, love hate situation you know <laughs> it's not all fun but it's definitely worth it so how many fights are you competing in this year uh it's hard to say exactly i know i got another fight um november in november actually in new york i'm really excited about that um with a couple other buddies and then my next one in reno is in february and then so i don't know if i'll get a fight before then or what but then you know there's always regionals and nationals so what are your expectations for this season? I'm staying the same weight as I did last year. Um, last year I got third in nationals, so I'm looking to one-up that for sure. I mean, if I can walk around with the belt at the end of the season, that'd be pretty cool. So finals and beyond is uh, is what you're expecting this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's at least what the hope is. Uh -huh. So is this next fight in uh, February going to be at uh, Circus Circus? Or where is it going to be uh, at? Circus, Circus, or El Dorado, one of the two venues, yeah, I'm not sure. I remember you talking about uh, that night that you said you really liked playing in uh, Circus Circus, a uh -huh. little bit better than playing in uh, yeah. El Dorado, um, because there would be all the smoke and the cigar <laughs> smells and everything. You touch yeah. On that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was different, uh, Circus Circus, and it was just, you know, it was new to me, so it was just exciting, and I think it was also just, you know, giddiness of, Oh, here, we're getting back into boxing finally, and yeah, there was there was one bad night at the El Dorado that <clears throat> it just smelled like ass and uh, it it kind of threw me off. But <clears throat> I mean, no, for the most part, the El Dorado is a pretty good venue too. You know, El Dorado also has really good food. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. how many people do you think attend these fights in in like the circus circus? Well. Uh, I think this fight was a little bit smaller than last one because it was on a Thursday, which was kind of lame, you know. But usually we have it on Fridays, and usually we r let people know it's in the newspaper, you know. And you know, we—I don't know, man. Reno, Reno is really supportive. Uh, at least a lot of people I know will go, and I don't know. It—it's cool. It's, that's one of my favorite parts. Is you're putting on a show, you know. It's not just a wrestling match where you do your thing you, you're up in a stage with the lights on you and you you put on a show for people so i think that's one of my favorite parts too yeah reno's a, a great place to be yeah. boxing we have mm -hmm. a really rich boxing culture here oh, yeah. and yeah. lots of history so it's, it's great to be that you're part of that yeah you feel no, that? yeah no it's there's definitely a lot of history there's a lot of there's a lot of roots in here and i didn't even realize that until i started boxing i was like damn like boxing definitely goes back in the past with Reno, um, so yeah, it's kind of cool to participate in that. I gotta ask, what's your walkout music? <laughs> I don't walk out to anything, but I'm definitely listening to like Little Wayne and Drake and just just a lot of things right before the fight, you know. <laughs> but I definitely need to. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's something you gotta be working yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Coach Pat, walkout I, I, music. I need some walkout music, Pat. Yeah. 
That'd be cool. <laughs> what is it like working with Coach Pat? Is he uh, really motivating? Like, how does he? Yeah, how is he yeah, as a coach? no, he's he's a uh, really motivating, really just in your face. Like, he's a funny guy, but you know, at the same time, you want to do your best for him, and he's serious when he's serious, and he knows he knows exactly what he's talking about. He's loving. I mean, he he loves us. You can tell for he cares about all the boxers, and at the same time, he. he he'll push us to our limits and he just wants the best for us because at the end of the day you know it's all it's it's about winning and it's about being safe and so if you can be dangerous in the ring and, and then you're safe to yourself and you get a win and, and I mean that's what it's all about yeah Pat's Pat's a really good coach he's one of my favorite coaches I've had you know <clears> as <throat> we're wrapping up this interview I want to know what would you like to say to anyone who would want to join the boxing team? I mean, I, as you said, it's a really underground yeah. uh, organization that people don't really know about, but it's got all this rich culture and history to it. Yeah, no, um, I mean, for anybody who's interested, you know, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Um, you know, you got to be dedicated and you got to want it, you know. I mean, we're a small group of guys. We're all close and we all want to win. We all got that competitive edge to us, you know, and if, if that's you, then that's definitely something to check out. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm glad. Um, it's given me opportunities I never thought I, I would have gotten, you know, you know, um, going to New York. And yeah. Going, traveling, getting like new friends, just being fit, staying in shape. I mean, it was definitely worth it. It was one of the by far, like, the best things I've done in college so Doing far. radio interviews. Yeah, yeah, this is cool <laughs> as hell, too. I mean, I've never done this before, right? Like, um, but, yeah, I mean, you got you to gotta want to compete, and, you know, you can't, you can't be afraid to get hit either. You know, that's, that's important, too. How, how have you changed uh, after boxing? Um, you know, I think just mentality. Mentality's gotten a little tougher, and, you know, you walk around with a little bit more confidence, and you just – I don't know, man. Just have respect for more people. It just, um, I don't know. It's just interesting. You're more, you're more thankful for a lot of things, you know, especially food when you're cutting weight. You <laughs> think more I remember that from my time in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Match weeks, it was the yeah, worst. Tournament yeah. weeks. The day, the couple yeah. days before, like a match or a tournament, you weren't terrible. eating anything. No, uh uh. Nope. And you, were still, and you were still working out and twice still as hard. Working out hard just to cut some more weight. And oh. you're already healthy. You know, you're already really healthy. And you got to, oh, I'm still over, you know. Do you have any cutting weight horror stories? Anything like that? Uh, I've got a couple of them, man. From, I mean, I've, I've, wrestled this same weight as well right so i've been this weight for three years but it seems like it's getting harder and harder and i even try to i try to gain weight uh before this season because i wanted to move up but i just you know i couldn't but now i know as now i know as the season goes on i'll i'll be needing to cut it but yeah i mean i've done all of it you know spit sleep in sweatshirts you know turn the shower on turn it into the you know at the hotel rooms you know uh, running super early. Everybody else is pigging out at whatever these nice restaurants we're traveling to, and I'm having ice water and a salad, if anything, you know. <laughs> but it's all worth it in the end. It is on fight night, man. It's yep, yep. It, just finally being able to shed that and be like, okay, all this hard work is right here, yeah, and I'm gonna no, throw a couple yeah. punches, and I'm gonna be out of yeah, here. Yeah, it's your it's your payday that night, you know. It's it's what you've been working for, and that's. That's the best feeling is finally getting into the ring and being able to work for what you paid off, you know, you 
getting getting your cut, you know, after, getting your pay. After the fight, that's when you can go have that nice exactly. fancy dinner. <laughs> exactly. You can finally relax. You can eat. You can relax. And, yeah, no, it's definitely worth that at the end. Do you have a favorite pig-out meal? Like, when you get a chance oh. to, what, what is your go-to? Uh, I'd say a double-double In-N-Out with Ooh. the strawberry shake and, and some animal fries is usually – I mean, sometimes I just break and I eat it before, <laughs> eat it before. But yeah, no, that's definitely my go-to. I'm a I'm a Neapolitan shake guy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's uh, I've never tried that actually. It's fantastic. I'm. I feel mm-hmm. like such a loser. I'm the plain vanilla type. Of oh, really? oh, oh no. <laughs> In and Out is oh. the best vanilla shake, so they they actually have some flavor to them. Yeah, I have to say, it's, but it's vanilla though. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think we're running out of time here, Dustin, yeah. but thank you so much for coming no, on the show with us. Thank you for having me, man. We'll be watching you guys. I, I think boxing is a, one of those sports that really needs to be covered here in Nevada because yeah. you guys have won titles before. Yeah. You guys are, they got so much history here, and so we'll be keeping in touch. Sweet, that's perfect. I'm All right. To me, man. Thanks again. Thank you. And that's the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into Pack Center this week. It was a lot of fun to get this one done with all those interviews, meeting all the players for basketball. It was great, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Again, my name is Jordan Burns here with Garrett Hirschberg. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at PackCenterNV, Instagram at PackCenterNevada, and a like on Facebook, PackCenterNevada, for all your Nevada athletic news and updates. From the Reynolds School of Journalism, Wolfpack Radio, and KWNK 97.7, go Wolfpack! Oh, my God.